waiting for the zero. You did so it. You Three. pressed the button. I, listen. Congratulations, All Eddie. right. So, hello, hello. Welcome to Kill the Bottle Podcast. Eddie Zamora, a.k.a. The Yum Yum Foodie. And if you wonder why Megan is so, like, extra energetic today, um, it's because she's got family in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Family in the room. Who's here with us, Megan? Um, we have my younger brother, Michael. Um, oh, he's going to get on camera. There look at that. he is. Hey, look Hi. at that. Younger That's brother my Michael. younger brother, hey, Michael, that I've tortured his entire life. So. That, yeah, I feel for you, Michael. I've can't, only known her for a year, confirm. and she's just <laughs> n- done nothing but torture me in the worst way possible. Anyway, uh, so it. this is our first uh, live episode of Kill the Bottle Podcast, but a very particular type of live episode. We're live on Zoom. There are some folks who are joining us uh via WTSO, and they are drinking some delicious Italian wines, some king of, uh, of Italian wines. I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I did a very, like, curated idea as far as wanting to make sure that we had at least one Amarone, one Brunello, and one Barolo, and we were able to do that, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. And in just a few moments, few moments, we'll bring in our guest, but um, Meg, how, how was your week? You okay? I feel like you spoke another language there. Yeah? Is yeah. That- are you sure you just weren't listening or not oh, listening right. like the usual? I wasn't listening. Yeah? Uh, the weekend was great, Eddie. We spent it in uh, the north we, area of this California. Isn't, oh, okay. This isn't like <laughs> Game of Thrones. We spent it in the north. We spent no, it in the north. That's right. Uh, Megan and I were up in northern California doing a few episodes of the show up in Mendocino County and in Sonoma and... Uh, in just a couple of weeks, you'll you'll you know, or next week and the week after, you'll get to hear those two shows. But it was it was a fun experience. I mean, I got food poisoning. That you was got probably sick. I got next level sick. Yeah, yeah. The was, last day though, so I mean, at least it was the last day. Yeah, I I, I didn't sleep for thirty six hours. Uh, it wasn't uh, a pleasure ple- pleasurable pleasant experience. No, it was. It, let's, that's that's an understatement. It wasn't a pleasurable experience. Uh, and then here here's the torture part. The torture part was we had one day off after shooting these two shows. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take Megan to two of my favorite wineries in Napa. We're going to go and have this amazing experience. So I, I book a Spring Mountain Vineyard, which is this iconic winery uh, in, in St. Helena, right at the, at the base of Spring Mountain. And then, of course, A&R Winery, great sparkling wine. They're out in, uh, I mean, just south of like St. Helena off the Silverado Trail, kind of like the base-ish of Howe Mountain. You can... You can see Chapelet from their pride. It's just beautiful. And uh, all these pictures on social media I posted with wine and sparkling wine and all this great stuff. And shit, I didn't drink any of that. He wasn't drinking it because he any was too sick. I, was, I couldn't keep down Gatorade. <laughs> I lost five pounds. So I feel fabulous. Uh, but that's the new Hollywood diet, I think, is, is oyster food poisoning in Sonoma. Well. I think we're on to that. I didn't need them, so I was fine. Yeah. Uh, Megan, how do you like your wine? Um, I love it. We're going to find out more about it, I right? know, but I'm asking you how you like it. Well, I just had a little bit, and I want to know you just, more. You had, Well, you had a little bit, and you want to know more. And uh, speaking of wanting to know more... Hold on, I'm going to take a sip, because I, I don't care. I can't wait for our guest. I can't do what you do. Speaking of wanting to know more... Now mm, for our guest. That is killer. What, you don't like my segues? <laughs> no, I like them. I said I can't do them. You can't do them. Uh, so speaking of wanting to know more, our guest is someone who definitely can help uh, provide a solution for wanting to know more. Uh, he is a wine expert, a wine professional, and I want to ask a little bit more at, at you know how you become a wine professional. But he is the gentleman who hosts the virtual tastings, and it's kind of the face it's good to put a face to WTSO, and he's kind of the face of WTSO, and I want to welcome to Kill the Bottle Podcast, my man, Mark Subsick. How you doing, Mark? Uh, great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, hi, Eddie, Megan, and welcome to the rest of our guests, too. So good to see you. I know. I know. So this yeah. is the cool part, guys. We have a, a, a Zoom going on here, and we're recording it live, and we can see into people's living rooms. Little do they know, we're actually... Uh, th- their friends that are there with them have secondary cameras, so we can actually see what's going on behind them right now. They don't know this, um, <laughs> so but crazy. no, we can see them all looking right back at us. And uh, please, folks, we encourage you during the show put any questions you may have about the wines, about Mark, um, in in the little chat box, and uh, we will do our best to to get to those. So, uh, Mark, you, wh- what does it mean to be the face of WTSO? Oh, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, it represents, uh, you know, 10, if not 20 years worth of work on my part. Uh, you know, they always say that uh, overnight success usually is, takes about 15 years. Uh, so I would say that's probably true. I've been working on this in, into wine for about 20 years. So um, to finally become your own person working in the world of wine and to make it on your own and to uh, work partner, you know, become partners with groups like uh, WTSO and 
uh, other brands as well is uh, pretty rewarding. It's uh, pretty awesome to be able to say that this is your job. Yeah, but like, you know, drink, drinking one, I guess, is the easy part. Uh, uh, what, what, what made you say, I want to make this as difficult as possible on my life so that I learn, uh, <laughs> I, I learn all the nuances. Cause the fun part is what the, the folks are doing at home right now, drinking and, and, and enjoying, but right. what made you take that next step? It's just my disposition. You know, I've always made life a lot more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's my best and worst trait, I think. Uh, so yeah, I, just a passion for it and wanting to know more. And I think when something strikes you kind of at a visceral level and you, you get into it, um, there's really no stopping yourself. Like you can't unlearn that once you, it's like uh, going somewhere, you know, to a fantastic, like four-star restaurant, like tasting something uh, sublime. And once you taste that, you can't untaste that. So uh, it just kind of leads you down the rabbit hole. So you just start going down. You're like, I want to know more. I want to learn about this. I want to learn where this comes from. And uh, it's, you know, 15 years, 10 years later, here I am. It, well, it's funny because, you, you, you know, you heard you heard us mention that we were up in Northern California and uh, uh, it was so fun for me because I, I hadn't been to Mendocino County yet, but I had been to to Napa Valley and, and, and I had some of the wines that, uh, that we had up there before. And it was so cool to see Megan kind of go through that experience of of trying yeah. these different things and and you know, even just seeing her her expression and her reaction to, you know, oh, wow, this is st- they're all red, but they they're very different. Very. Yeah. Very, very different. Yeah, it was it was it was I felt out of place because I've never really done anything like that. So I've done stuff with a lot of food, but I've um sorry, we're admitting more people. I, uh, I've never really been to a winery and had things explained to me like that. So, I mean, there's still tons I have to learn. I could tell you all day about how to cook a steak and types of meat, (laughs) but wine was never my forte. So I'm excited to learn about it. And, and, uh, so you said, speaking of making your life as complicated as possible or as difficult as possible, (laughs) uh, you, you met, you know, you mentioned to me, you're a violinist. And uh, that really is making your life as, as, as difficult as possible. (laughs) what uh what got you to pick up the violin uh when i was young it was kind of uh, mandatory in school that you had to pick an instrument to play and the first instrument i picked was a clarinet uh that was a mistake yeah that was a mistake didn't mom Um, do that uh, our mom picked that too she said the same thing oh oboe never mind that is a mistake yeah (laughs) an oboe is a disaster yeah i mean you know i was uh i was like what seven years old i didn't know what i was doing but um, not like the violin was any better, but I knew my father was really into classical music and, you know, like a young boy does, you want to impress your father. So I was like, I'll play, you know, he kind of uh, struck a deal with me. He was like, if you're going to quit this clarinet thing, you got to do something else. So I was like, I'll play the violin. So, uh, he signed me up for private lessons and yeah, I started to, uh, train for concerts and for uh, recitals. Yeah. And I, and I saw a video, uh, a great little video of Mark online. He's, he's playing two guitar. Well, wait, no, yeah. He's playing three guitars. Uh, no, probably <laughs> two guitars, a mandolin, and then the violin. And, yes. uh, did a, like, I, I always love seeing people wearing different hats than what you're used to wearing. I mean, I'm also assuming that you, were you, you feel like a musician first, or do you feel like a wine professional first? Um, I feel like that was a different chapter in my life, but yeah, musician first and foremost. I mean, uh, Hands down, what makes me happy is hearing music, especially classical music. Uh, as soon as I hear it, um, it just kind of it goes right to my bones. It's like something that's always going to be in me. It's indelible at this point. Uh, I started as a young kid enjoying music, and it's just, uh, yeah, it brings me so much joy. So uh, I think there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn between music and wine, though. So uh, it's not too much different. Yeah, big time in music and wine. And speaking of music and wine, so, you know, um, what 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 piece would you put with this uh, Brunello <laughs> that we're having right now? Hmm, that's it's a challenging question. So delicious. I, I would say, yeah, it's nice. It's a little tannic, a little gritty, uh, but it's got a beautiful, beautiful quality to it. Oh man, you really put me on the spot here. I that's think right. if I had to go with something, yeah, no, 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 it's cool. Uh, if I had to go something with with like a classical piece. I would go with something uh, Rachmaninoff, maybe a little challenging, something really, really edgy and kind of like keeps you on your toes, uh, but also graceful and beautiful at the same time, maybe. And if I had to choose a pop song, I would say this is Paul McCartney and Wings. There's oh. a little bit of that grace. Yeah, there's, there's a little, a little band on the coming. run going on here. Or, or A little bit of that beautiful kind of like <laughs> songwriting, song weaving, tapestry kind of thing that he did with Beatles, but... 
um, after the Beatles uh, kind of like broke up, he, he was trying to be a little bit different too. So there's some of that beautiful grace in there right now, but it's also uh, trying to be slightly edgy too. I think that's the tannins in there that are giving that sort of edge. And you know when and when you're referring to to tannins for the people at home, uh, what what are you referring to as far as mouthfeel or or in regards yeah, to yeah yeah when you yeah when you drink red wines, uh, tannins are are uh, more specific to red wines. And when you drink a red wine, it's that sort of like drying sensation that you mm-hmm. get on your mouth. Uh, that comes from the stems and the seeds of the grape, and it also comes from uh, the skins to a certain degree as well too. So the harder they crush the red grape, the uh, more tannic it's going to be. Do you know, like they, you know, with Spider-Man, with, with great power comes great responsibility. Do you ever miss the days where you can drink like a really shitty wine and just be okay with it? Or Because I'm living those days. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you guys I, are ripping me out of those days. We kind of are, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we were, uh, somebody was gracious enough to, to be, to send us uh, back home with, was like a $150 bottle of Spring Mountain Estate, uh, uh, Wow. Yeah, the reserve cab. I'm not going to drink it. No, it's going to sit on a shelf for the rest of my life. We're That's just going like to stare at it. Some of my rent, bro. And then and then, you know, when they do the estate sale when Megan croaks, uh they're going to find <laughs> this this The only thing worth anything. It's going to be like an Egyptian pyramid uh wine <laughs> that they find in Megan's house that was valued at something. Uh but do you, do you ever miss those days, Mark, of just being able to like open up something that's, you know, I don't want to say terrible, but just that might give you a headache tomorrow? And just being okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, in which case, I usually reach for beer or I reach for whiskey. <laughs> ah. uh, yeah, yeah. Because when, when it comes to wine, it's really hard to kind of like turn that off. So uh, usually, I'll switch beverages just to uh, kind of get away from it. Uh, because yeah, when it comes to wine, it's almost always on. So I do miss those days. It's kind of like you know, life in general. You know, this is yearning to go back to the innocence of childhood, right? You know, yeah. to like. Go back, go back to those times when, like, you didn't overthink everything. Well, yeah, it, it, it's funny. I know I'm, I'm sure Megan feels the same way after after uh, working a little bit in television and working in TV production and seeing how movies and TV shows get made. When you start watching them on TV now, you almost wish that you have never spent time on a set. You didn't know exactly how this was done. You didn't know, like, you know, unfortunately, I'm the worst person to watch any kind of procedural drama show with because I know exactly who killed them. I know exactly who is being blamed for it, but didn't do it. It's just unfortunate. I can't enjoy Law and Order. I can't enjoy watching background. Like now, I just watch background actors because that's what I do. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I wonder what they're fake talking about right now. I like that didn't add up. That person was over there. Well, that person's over there. I love that. And it's ruined. You know, it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Mark. You know what? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Chardonnay kind of always works for me. If I want to go somewhere where I don't really have to think about it too much, I think. Chardonnay is kind of like a very easy sort of summer wine or a rosé, just something to chill with and not overthink. Um, yeah, when you get into like these more heady red wines, then yeah, it's really hard to stop yourself from overthinking it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I want to go someplace innocent and just kind of forget about things for a while, I'd say Chardonnay is the one. Is there is there a style of Chardonnay that you lean more towards? Because Chardonnay is this very, uh, I don't know, it, it holds these very visceral reactions from folks depending on the style of Chardonnay. You know, some people will get really aggressive about a particular style. What's What's your go-to? do a california chardonnay with a little bit of oak and butter in it um that to me is kind of comforting i don't uh you know a lot of i know a lot of people kind of uh, uh rail against that style mm-hmm. but for me i'm perfectly okay with it because uh that's drinkable that's acceptable to me and i it takes me back to a place where i don't have to think about it too much uh yeah uh, nicely oak chardonnay and fried chicken a really great pairing Oh, don't tell me fried chicken because I had that the night I got sick, man. I'm still and I oh, and man. I love me some fried chicken and uh, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. It's just you know I I already reached out to the restaurant and this was a nice restaurant. I'm not gonna sit there and throw names out because why? No, they you know we were that, recommended to go to this restaurant like yeah. by a million people. So yeah, 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 yeah. We and, did. Uh, yeah, let's just say that I finally like my I was whiter than Megan on on Saturday. And my tan is progressively, that's yeah, that's pretty white. Super white. I, my tan is progressively Shop starting to come back. Um, I want to know more about the wine. Is that okay? Of course. I want to know where that's it comes why. from, like all that stuff, yes. all, all the background, because we're all drinking it together. We have together. a captive audience of uh, who knows we're about all, this wine. Of alcoholics. Let's do it. <laughs> so where does it come from? Well, all three we have here from Italy, we're going to kind of triangulate with these wines. So yeah. uh, we're going to start down further south. This is from the Tuscan region. So Tuscany, mm-hmm. essentially. 
Brunello de Montalcino. It's a relatively young wine that hasn't been around. You know, I say relative uh, because wine has been made in Italy for over 2,000 years at this point. Uh, so Brunello is really not uh, showing its face until the 1900s. Uh, and if you're a little savvy, uh, there's a family called Biondi Santi. And the Biondi Santi family is uh, they're the people who are responsible for basically creating Brunello and putting it on the map. Um, and it was exclusively their wine that they made from their winery until the 1930s. So it wasn't really, uh, didn't really exist and it wasn't really a wine to speak of until the 1930s, 1960s. Uh, the, the brand Bonfi that you probably know well, oh, yeah. uh, this is when it really took off. <clears throat> so it's uh, made from the Sangiovese grape. And Sangiovese is most popular and most well-known as the wine that makes Chianti. Uh, but this is a clone, and the clone is called Brunello, uh, or Sangiovese Grosso, which is it's a like, slightly larger grape, so Grosso. And uh, they make this wine on these beautiful hillsides uh, around the town of Montalcino. So Brunello di Montalcino in Italy, they named their wines after the place where it comes from. So mm-hmm. the Brunello grape, di Montalcino, so from Montalcino. And, and, and uh, one of my, it no. makes for some really beautiful. Oh, right on. One of the things that I learned, what I what I figured out that I had a passion for, I loved learning, was the history of the wineries and the history of wine. So I'm when you I'm like focused in when you're talking about like the history of stuff and like how, you know, grapes were grown, grapes were toward like the weather's killing everything. Um, and then the history of the wineries we went on, the family oh. history, the people that are in this like for life, you know, it's it's something I really love hearing about. So thank you for sharing that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. It's fascinating. And that's the thing I think that kind of uh, I didn't anticipate when I first got into wine because I got into it because I like to drink it. And I enjoy drinking it. But then you realize that it connects to everything in life. It connects to economics. It connects to the climate. It connects to culture. So it's a it's a great unifier in many different ways. And of course, it's a, a social lubricant too. So now uh, it's funny we were we're you know we're having uh, Brunello and San and Sangiovese. And tell me if this has ever happened to you, Mark, with any wine. There was a long period of time where I couldn't drink Sangiovese. Uh, you could lie to me and tell me that you poured me something else. I would take a sip of it and I would instantly have acid reflux from it. It was just one of these things where my body had this yep. terrible reaction to it. And it stinks because I I love Sangiovese. I love I love even the folks that make it up in Central Coast, California. You got some places and obviously it doesn't taste like Brunello, but they're they're making some really interesting things. But I couldn't drink it. Have you ever had a wine like that that maybe your body evolved and no longer has a reaction to, or is the wine that you didn't have a reaction to that you have one now? Uh, I mean, a lot of it is mental too, but obviously I think what you're describing is more physical. Uh, Brunello in Sangiovese general is a very high acid grape. So Mm -hmm. I could see with uh, acid reflux, how that could do that to you. Um, but taste aversions are something that are really, uh, sort of stay with us for through life. You know, we all have that story about something we got sick off of when we were kids. Fried chicken. um, (laughs) Yeah. Or everybody in this, uh, in this group right now could, Everybody in this group right now could probably name uh, booze that they had when they were in their college years. They threw up, they got sick, and they'll never have again. All uh, of them. I can name all of them. Jose Cuervo. <laughs> all yes. 30 of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, Southern Comfort for me. I'll never have Southern Comfort ever again oh, in my life. There's um, nothing yeah, comfortable there's... about Southern Comfort. That is the biggest bullshit name ever <laughs> of any kind of spirit don't lie to me just tell me you know wake up blacked out that's what that that's what it should be called anyway yeah sorry mark yeah no but those those anyway those taste aversions stay with you for a lifetime so uh, if you have a bad experience with something it's going to stay with you it's going to have to take some work to get over it uh for me i you know as much as everybody loves cabernet sauvignon uh, sometimes i have a really hard time enjoying it and I'm kind of sad to admit that because I know there's some really amazing Cabernet Sauvignons in the world. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not my favorite grape. Now, are you, we have a question and I'll, and I'll get to it in just a second in our, in, our, in our chat room. But you mentioned Cab. And are you referring to just Cab in general? Because, you know, there's so many beautiful uh, Bordeaux blends where the, you know, the, cla- the Cab has right. got to be at least yeah. just 51% Cab or, or whatever. Um, right. Are you saying kind of across the board that that's just or, or is it are you thinking more California stuff that's more Cab fruit forward? I'm thinking more of the uh, straight cab, you know, 100% cabs that are out there, Uh, but they come from cooler regions and uh, from different uh, vintages that weren't exactly that great. And they get that really strong, like herbaceous bell pepper kind of thing going on Mm -hmm. to it. 
uh, with it. So, you know, when you start to feel like you're drinking a vegetable instead of a wine, it's a little tough. For me to take. Yeah. No, uh, I can't. I, yeah. I didn't want I fermented gazpacho. I want like, I want wine. Right. It's exactly one. <laughs> uh, so a question from the chat group is, yeah, how many years do you think you should lay down a bottle of Brunello before opening it up? So this is a, a 2016. So at least, you know, mm-hmm. we've got a good six years uh, on this guy. But, you know, what, what would you yeah. go to? I'm, in my mind, I always think eight years for some reason with Italian wine. And I can't remember how that stuck in my head. But what's the, the telltale way to go or a safe, safe bet? Well, you know, Brunello is um, it's a little bit more soft. So the, the tannins on this aren't going to be as strong as the next two. Uh, we're going to see some really strong tannins on the next two wines that we're tasting. Brunello, so, you know, like the tannin is really what you're trying to compete with here. When you're talking about aging a wine like this, you're trying to soften those tannins up. And uh, with the Brunello, it doesn't need that long. So, yeah, I would say six to eight years is probably a good window to uh, enjoy something like this. Yeah, and well, you know, a little bit later we're going to have some Amarone, and I've had this open for about two and a half hours. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, even wow. though it's a little bit on the younger side, it's. Uh, do you find that... A wine like, for example, this Brunello, having it decanted for a couple hours will have enough of an impact on it? Yeah, um, but even that, you know, being said, uh, you've probably already tasted it. It's it's a pretty powerful wine. It's still it got is, some yeah. big tannins on it. Yeah, so two hours will help it, definitely. Um, it'll be better. It's better than opening the bottle cold and just going straight into it. What's your advice for your corkage person? So I'm I'm the one of the things that got me into WTSO and one of the reasons why we're having the show uh, and drinking Italian wine was that WTSO made it like high end Italian wines approachable for me where I maybe didn't have the budget to buy a really nice bottle of Brunello Montalcino. But all of a sudden I was like, holy cow, I can essentially get three bottles for what it would have cost me to buy one. And I feel a little bit safer, you know, even if I drink one too early, I'm like, that's okay. I have another two. Uh, but I'm also of the mindset of I don't like paying 300% charge at a restaurant for a bottle. Mm-hmm. So I would yeah. go and in, in my wine collection, I have bottles from WTSO that I bought five years ago that are my Barolo that I take to a restaurant or my Brunello mm-hmm. that I take to a restaurant because at least I know it's of age or ready to drink. Uh, do you have any advice as far as like, should I go to the restaurant maybe early, have them decant it or go have a drink at the bar while it's decanting? What What are some good tricks? Yeah, a lot of them, uh, some of the higher end restaurants actually have lockers or you can go and you can drop your bottle off ahead of time and they'll take care of that for you. Uh, so that's one way to do it. Um, you can, you know, just pop the bottle open yourself and take it with you. So uh, you can take the bottle, open it. You can it for a couple hours, pour it back into the bottle with like a funnel or something like that. And uh, usually they won't give you any trouble if you take it to a restaurant. They are going to charge you a corkage fee, as you mentioned. Yeah. So that's that's fair, I think. Um, I know a lot of people who work in the business and I know a lot of restaurant owners and uh, the alcohol is where they make most of their money. So uh, it's fair to them if you're bringing your own alcohol in-house, then uh, at least to charge you a little bit. I don't know what corkage fees are like out there in California. What do they charge you typically? Um, I mean, I'd say average is about twenty-five uh, to thirty. Yeah, but you know, when you're okay. getting, when you're getting into some of the some of the real high-end places, they could charge up to fifty, and they'll they'll limit you to one bottle, uh, or you know, limit you to two bottles, or they'll waive it if you buy one of theirs, kind of thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, there are some some little little moves, and I'm assuming I I couldn't do this at Olive Garden, could I, Mark? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, not with my unlimited breadsticks. Could I do this? Uh, yeah, that little green pepper that you get in the salad. I just want to ask a quick question to everybody, and you guys can thumbs up, thumbs down. I know I got a comment here that says the level, his Mark's level is lower than ours. I tried to fix it. So does it sound a little better? I tried to turn him up. Yeah. Okay. A little better. Thank, thank, thank you, guys you guys for letting us know. We want this to be enjoyable. We don't want to scream at you. We want Mark to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want to be. Okay, good. So, and Eddie screams. All good then? A lot. That's because I'm it's obnoxious. That's because I'm Cuban. Yeah, it's obnoxious. Gosh. So sorry, Mark. You were saying? Uh, I forget what I was saying. Oh. Actually, uh, I think we were, we're yeah. going to the next one. Well, uh, I, we were talking about corkage fees. Oh, yeah. corkage fees. And and yeah. I have a little bit of advice for uh, uh for folks at home who are you know exploring. Let's say never taken a bottle to a restaurant and, and paid corkage fee. Uh, one of the 
things. Uh, one of the courteous rules is that go ahead of time to their website uh, for the restaurant's website, or if they don't have it updated, call the restaurant and ask if a particular bottle is on their list already, because it is kind of frowned upon for you to bring a bottle that is already on their wine list. It, it is. You can always say it's a different vintage, and you like the vintage you have versus the one they have. Uh, but don't bring the exact same bottle that they have for sale uh, and pay corkage for it, because you well, know. Will they let me bring my own tequila? They, is that not a thing? But you just you just drink well <laughs> tequila, so I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a, a nice hefty <laughs> supply of that for you. All right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next vino because I already started drinking it. Shh. Oh, you did? I did. I didn't. I am not I the most patient person when it comes to wine. He calls me an alcoholic. Um, I don't call you. Other people call you an alcoholic. I just support your alcoholism. Gosh. Uh, so what are we drinking next, Mark? Oops. Now we're going to go to the Barolo. Barolo, the wine of kings and the king of wines, as it is known. And my One favorite of my favorites. Italian wine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you uh, have you go ahead? Go ahead. Have you traveled? Have you been to Italy before? Have you guys traveled there I've I've been to Italy. I've been to Tuscany, but I have not been to. Uh, sorry, let me correct that. I've only been to Florence. I haven't taken the trip up to Tuscany to to do you know to do the wine experience. My only wine experience in Italy. I was very blessed to go um, to Puglia. Uh, you know, on the heel uh, of the boot, and I was blown away by some of the primitivos uh, that. You know that I was able to drink down there, and I and it's one of those things which is funny. Mention WTSO. I, whenever I see a Primitivo on WTSO, I jump on it like a pack of dogs on a three legged cat. <laughs> it is just one of those things yeah. where it's like, uh, you know, they're always reasonably priced, uh, and mm -hmm. I feel it goes great with food. It's just one of those things. I, I love that particular wine, but only Puglia. Cool, beautiful country. Uh, I love the the Italians, especially the way they talk. Uh, one of the favorite things that I, I hear them say quite a bit often is uh, if you've had too much to drink, you aren't drunk. You just haven't eaten enough yet. That's that's yeah, that sounds about right. We're getting a lot of head nods mm -hmm. in the uh, uh, <laughs> in the room here. So that that sounds about right. And we have a, a few folks that are asking yeah, about. And I'm curious about this, too. I totally yeah. forgot. This is something I wanted to know more about because I don't think we discussed it a lot up north. So. Yeah. Do you want to read it? Go for it. OK. He, um, they want to know if you can go over how to smell the wines uh, bouquet. Right. Yeah. And yeah, sure. what is, uh, yeah, they want to go over tasting notes together as well. So that would be amazing if we could address those. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so I assume everybody has the Barolo board here. So let's do this one. Uh, let's give it a swirl. And one of the reasons we do that is to aerate it, get more oxygen in there. It's going to let all the volatile aromas kind of rise out of the glass and make it a lot more uh, intense on the nose. Am I swirling it, it correctly? Megan, you have so many volatile aromas. It's just. <laughs> I smell great. Um, when I was yeah, up you're north, doing... people were so professional. Like they were just chatting. Like I have to like concentrate and stare at this, or I'm gonna spill it. Well, if it helps you out, you can put it on the table and do it on the table too. Yeah, just don't spill wine on my table, Megan. You gave okay, me see, those. I can't do it on the table. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So give it a snip. Yeah. And. Uh, kind of stream of consciousness don't think about it too much don't overthink it but what comes to mind when you smell this I and mean, does it remind you of a place does it remind you of a food that you remember from your childhood does it remind you of a, a feeling uh, our sense of smell is connected directly to i think it's the amygdala and the amygdala is your your emotional center in your brain uh, it's the only sense that we have that is wired through your emotional center so that's why when we smell things uh, and taste to a certain degree, we're so emotionally attached and so emotionally moved by these things. Uh, so oftentimes you'll find that the aromas are connected to a memory or to something that you feel. And for me, uh, this one is strong. To me, uh, Barolo is always sort of very floral. Uh, it either reminds me of roses. So if you have like a sort of like a garden center or like a hot house with like roses in it, uh, it reminds me of sort of like the springtime when the roses start to bloom. Or uh, a little bit like an African violet, like that smell of. Yeah. So, so question about uh, Barolo. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a. It's my, my favorite Italian wine. It is like it's, it's one of those where if I see a good deal, it's the one that I want to buy. It's the one that I want to hold on to. It's the one I feel the most sad when I don't have any more of. It, it just falls under that category. Um, yeah. But so Barolo is, is it predominantly Nebbiolo grape? It's. 100% Nebbiolo. Okay. So if I am, yes. if, if as a Psalm, 
how do you do or how do you do the quote unquote Pepsi challenge with yourself uh, between a Nebbiolo from Lagne and a Barolo, uh, w- you know, within a close region? Is it is it really that mm-hmm. distinct between the two? Uh, they say that normally it's more on the palate. So uh, like Serolonga de Alba is like, you know, one of the regions that's best known for producing Barolos. Uh, they're known to be a little bit more soft. Okay. Um, but it's uh, it's more on the palate than it is in the nose. In general, Nebbiolo is going to be very floral. And uh, oftentimes as it gets older, this is a fairly young one. So this is only about five years old. But as they get older, uh, one of the key giveaways is that they smell a little bit like tar. You know that, um, yeah. like the smell of like a- asphalt when it's mm-hmm. late in the summertime and like, yeah, like a street has been freshly paved. Uh, that's what a good Barolo smells like when it gets older. Wow. So, it's, yeah, it's very cool. And when you uh, train your nose and when you're doing these blind tastings to study, like I did, um, these are like little key giveaways that help you tip you off as what it is. What, what was so, the, this is a. No, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, I was just curious, like, what was the biggest challenge for you when you were going through your certifications? Um, you know, I, I always, I love to ask this of, of, of wine professionals because the answers are always so different because everybody's mm-hmm. so different. What, what, yeah. What was the, the most challenging aspect for you? For me, it, it was, it was the, um, the luxury of time because at the time I was still working a full-time job. I came from the corporate world. Um, I didn't work in the hospitality or the, the uh, wine or the food industry at that point. So I was just a schmo working a corporate job at that time. And, um, so I was going, you know, 50, 60 hours a week at the job. And then any waking hour that I didn't dedicate to working my job was with my nose in a book, studying all the time or tasting wines. So for me, it was a real challenge just trying to get over that hump of like finding the time and not having access. Like, you know, some people work in the industry, they have access to these wines. Uh, They're familiar with them because they work in a restaurant and they get a chance to taste them uh, during tasting sessions with the uh, sommelier. Like I didn't have any of that. I was going into a cold and I was a complete uh, nobody, a stranger coming into the industry. So there was a mental challenge and there was also sort of like a social challenge as well. And also just the uh, accessibility of being able to find this stuff and to find the time to learn about it. Now it's funny. So Megan, Megan did the whole 30 back in January. So she didn't, she didn't drink, uh, uh, and just was like healthy for 30 days. Uh, I <laughs> almost that. lost 30 pounds of, because of food poisoning in, in the past week. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have anything to, you know, I didn't have any, uh, wine or alcohol from, from Saturday up until I took a sip of tequila yesterday just to see if it would make me nauseous. Uh, does a day go by where you don't taste wine? Or do you ever give yourself like a little timeout check? Not a timeout as in you're drinking too much. A timeout as in like, let me reset my palate. Let my let my body not get used to tasting this so that it feels new again. Uh, well, it's a little bit of both of those, actually. Uh, so I am turning 50 years old this year. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. I'll have what he's so, having. <laughs> wine. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so... As you get older, you know, I mean, things just don't sit the same with you. So you really got to kind of like pace yourself and you got to slow down. I can't party like I used to when I was a kid. So um, I actually have an app on my phone that I use to kind of like track my drinking because, yeah, when you work in the industry, you're getting bottles sent to you terrible. all the time. <laughs> I was like, make <laughs> well, no, it, it, it You're allowed to drink. You just can't drink everything. You can't have it all. You, you know, you have to like have two instead of four. So it's one of those things um, where it's good for my health, but it's also probably good to pace myself as I get older, too, because, uh, yeah, I'm no spring chicken anymore at this point. And, and when you work in the industry, you're just constantly like the, uh, the UPS guy knows me by first name at this point, you know, because he's every day you're getting a delivery of wine. So, yeah, it can get dangerous. Um, but I have uh, my neighbors love us because I give them wine all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Somebody ever tries to break into your house, they'll have a bottle of wine thrown at them. Uh, an empty of, of course, and, uh, from, <laughs> b- from your neighbors, just protecting you. All right. Let's see. Do we have any, did que- we do the tasting? Oh, notes? sorry. Yeah. Did we do the tasting notes on us? Probably not. We did the aroma. But... We did the aroma. <laughs> no, we did not. So let's do the tasting notes real quick for this, uh, this Barolo. Let's do it. Oh my God. My mouth is like, so it's, uh, this is so tannic. Uh, so take a sip of your wine and this is going to seem really obnoxious, but you've probably seen wine professionals do this before. This is called trilling where you slurp your wine. Why are we slurping our wine? You're aerating the wine. It's very similar to what you're doing when you're swirling your glass. Oh my God. 
strong tannins in this one. But uh, when you're swirling your glass, you're aerating the wine to intensify the flavors and the aromas. And it's the same thing when you're slurping too. So you're aerating that wine and you're actually smelling and tasting at the same time because your nose and your palate are connected at the back of your throat. So you're sort of aerating it so that you're, you're smelling. One of the reasons why when you're sick, you can't taste anything because your nose is stuffed up and your sinuses are stuffed up because so you can't smell what you're tasting. So that being said, uh, first thing that comes off to me are the tannins. You guys getting that? Mm-hmm. Really strong oh, yeah. drying sensation. It's almost like uh, like you just ate like a handful of walnuts, like that sort of like dryness. Those are the tannins that are coming from the skins and the pulp and the seeds of the grape. Uh, there's a really strong acid in there. Acids oh, yeah. make you drool. Yeah, they make your mouth water, kind of like when you bite into a lemon. So you'll notice when you swallow the wine, you're probably sa- like really salivating, right? Yeah. Mm. And then lastly, you sort of get that rush of flavor. And with the Barolo, once again, it's really sort of like that floral flavor and uh, sort of sour cherries to me as well, too. I don't know. What do you think? You getting that? Or is, is this? Uh, yeah, it's funny. My, does, it With Barolo, for some reason in Italian wines for me, I, I find some of these... You know, when we talk about like Cabernet, bell pepper like punches me in the face, and that's a that's a that's a taste that I always get. A lot of times, I'll I'll I'll, I'll catch leather, and it sounds ridiculous, but that's a taste for some reason that my body I, I can smell it. I and if you know, maybe it's because I played baseball and I smell my baseball glove. You know, that's like the right. the the feeling yeah. of it. But with Italian wines, it's a little bit more challenging for me. Uh, we have a question asking: Is this a young one? A young wine? And uh, what what's a good time? Same, actually, same question That's as we had for one. for Brunello is what's a good time for uh, for holding on to your Barolo? Yeah, this is a uh, relatively young for a Barolo. Uh, typically, ten years, even fifteen, sometimes uh, because I mean the tannins are so strong in this, and this is very typical for a Barolo. Uh, the grape itself is just high in tannins. That's what it does. Uh, so a lot of people will advise that you don't even open a Barolo for 10, 15 years. Uh, but I'd say, you know, for five years old, this is still pretty drinkable. The way you can yeah. deal with these tannins. Yeah, these these are really strong tannins in here. The way you can deal with that is to have a, uh, some kind of protein with it. So you can either have like some meat or some cheese, and that'll help mitigate those tannins a little bit. Did any you guys give us a thumbs up? Did anybody put out cheese and... Snacks? Anybody out there? Yeah, Thumbs I up? see folks doing a lot of drinks. Oh, there oh they, they got some snacks. Yeah, they did. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Eddie didn't have any snacks for us today. I should have brought yeah, some. You should have brought some, Megan. <laughs> I just bad. happened to have all this wine. My B. You Next know? time. <laughs> Next uh, time. I can't imagine having a bottle of alcohol and not drinking it within. So but it's funny. No, but that's that's it's funny that you mentioned that. But that is that is like I forgot what the time is from, you know, they have that statistic of when the timing from when people purchase to when it gets opened. And it's an astronomically mm-hmm. short amount of time. Uh, yes. And it's yeah. it's it's like less than an hour. And and I've this has been a, a, a bit of a pet peeve of mine because I love Barolo so much that people will tell me like, oh, I don't like Barolo. And, you know, it's 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 like the same folks that tell you I only drink 100 percent cab. You know, it's it's that same kind of mentality. And, you know, and I'll ask them and chances are they went to Trader Joe's. I love me some Trader Joe's. It's not Costco. Oh, geez. Everybody <laughs> take a sip. It's not Costco. But, it, it, it you know, they, they have like a I don't know, like an eighteen dollar bottle of of Barolo and it's maybe four years old. And of course, if you drink that, chances are. You're not going to like Barolo, but what, what you know, to Mark's point, when you drink an older Barolo and you really get to experience what that's supposed to taste like, there's I can't fathom somebody not liking that wine uh, unless they, you know, they burnt their mouth on a piece of toast or something like I just can't figure out why you wouldn't like that wine. What What's like the if there is a pet peeve of yours in the wine industry that is like the the line that you hear that is all, not I want to say eye roll. But it, it can be frustrating at times because it's just, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, Mark, as we said. Mm, yeah, trade carefully here, right? Um, I would say the thing, it's not necessarily uh, about the wines itself. It's more the posturing that comes along with the wine industry and the wine business. It, uh, the thing that really kind of like rubs me the wrong way the most are the people who use wine as a status symbol. Yeah. Um, so the people, the people who automatically have to tell you how many bottle, bottles they have in their cellar, or what price they pay for a bottle of wine, and you know, I'm far be it for me to. I, I enjoy it. I'll enjoy a hundred dollar, two hundred bottle 
Uh, but when you have to say it to people, when you have to tell people that because it makes you feel important about yourself, uh, that's the part that kind of turns me off. I remember when I was studying, I was studying with the WSET. And like I said, I was a noob. Uh, I was into wine, but I didn't know much about it. But I remember studying with one guy who was probably twice my age at the time. We were tasting an older wine and it was like a 25 year old wine. And he said to me, son, I've got bottles of wine that are older than you in my cellar. And just the kind of the way he said it, it was sort of like, um, I was like, that is everything that I don't want from wine. Yeah. Uh, for me, it, it's about what's in the bottle. It's about drinking it and engaging with your friends and loved ones, creating a moment together, having fun, creating a memory, indelible memories that you'll never forget. Uh, everything that is inside the bottle, but the labels, the cost, uh, people posturing about how big their sellers are. That's the part of the industry and part of like the culture that turns me off. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that, that's one thing that I did. I noticed uh, in Europe was the exact opposite of that. Um, and in my travels, I found that that's just something I hear more here in the States than I hear overseas. And, you know, there, uh, it's just, it's just an interesting dynamic. I don't know if it's just that we're newer to wine. Uh, uh, you know, like there's very few of us that were eighth generation in, in winemaking in the, in the, in the United States, unless the family came over from somewhere else. So I, yeah, I, I find that interesting. Do you, do you have a tool on your end that you use? Cause the same way we're talking about a wine being too young, you know, a wine also has its peak and then it drops back down, you know, starts going down. Is there anything you use and the folks at home can use to maybe help track their seller to to know when is the right time, you know, supposedly to, to drink that wine? Well, I am, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be 50 years old this year. So I'm a little bit of a Luddite as far as technology is concerned. Uh, <laughs> as far as the as far as apps are concerned, I am the app. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just happen to know enough about wine that I know when these things are right. Uh, but if you want some uh, apps to use, I always hear Cellar Tracker and Vivino are probably the top two that everybody recommends. Do you uh, label your wines at home and uh, you know put a little tag on them just to remind you that you have this and it should be ready to go? No, no, I kind of ha I have a small cellar. A lot of people think because I'm a wine professional, I have a huge cellar. But like you said, you know, most of what we get, we drink right away or we enjoy with friends because to me, that's what it's about. Um, to give you an example, I just I, I think you probably were on one of the tastings that we did recently. But I said that I, I bought a bottle of wine. It was a 1965 Chateau Neuf de Pop. And I bought it off of somebody out of their cellar because they passed away. They never drank it. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Like why you would hold on to beautiful wine yeah. like that and not enjoy it before your time. We've heard that story uh, so, several times with guests. They've yeah. said the same thing. Yes. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know quite a few people. Uh, there's one group here in Penn in Philadelphia where I live. Uh, they call themselves the Dead Guys Wine Society because they go to estate clearances and they actually buy up estate sales. Oh, and geniuses! It's yeah, they go in and they find all these uh, these people who never took the time to enjoy their beautiful wine collection oh, and they I buy them up with the podcast. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. You're moving to Philly. I'm going. Just are these guys young and single? Probably. Not. <laughs> oh, they're all Eagles no. fans, so chances are they're young and single. No, I'm just kidding, Mark. That was a dig at my uh, Philly people because I know you're from Philly. I am just messing with you. Trust me, no, man. nothing is more pathetic than being a Miami Dolphins fan for the past thirty years. So for the past forty-three years, being a Miami Dolphins fan, nothing true. is more pathetic, huh? It is super. Yeah, true. you could be, you could be a Dallas fan too. That's you know what? That's true. But I have a soul. So no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it's... I just hurt somebody. Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go. He doesn't now know we... what he is. Yeah. He He's young and now. stupid. He doesn't know. We're from he Colorado. Is. He says a Dallas fan. Come on. All right. Well, our... well, we're going to switch to our, our next wine. Okay. But yeah. Unless you have wondering. a question on this guy. I don't think so. Are there any more questions on this guy? Has everyone got a good taste? I want to interact more. I want, I want to, I love that I can see all of you people. It's amazing. Um, I guess we can do a favorite uh, at the end where they can hold up a hand or flip me off, whatever they want to do. It's, I mean, uh, it's Friday. I'm really happy you guys are spending your Friday night with us. Yeah, folks. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us. As you can see, uh, we have a lot of fun doing this show, Kill the Bottle. And, uh, you know, uh, oh, somebody's got their decanter out. They're pouring the next wine. Bravo. I see. Yeah. I like that they're pouring it. I the love camera. that camera I angle, saw, too. I saw others do that as well. That's a fancy, like, diamond-shaped decanter. I like that. I would break that in two seconds. My, my, 
my uh my advice was for, I bought a decanter at IKEA, and it, I'm on like decanter number three from IKEA because I've trashed all of them. So I yeah, that's one of, who is that? Rick Green, bring your. Can you show us that decanter? That's got to be the Amarone that you're decanting there, right? Yes. Oh. Nice. Look at oh, that. Oh, that's a, that's a fancy one. I love that. Yeah. Let me see your guys'. What do they have over there? Everybody's busting out their decanter. I love I this. I love it. Oh, thank you. It and, was amazing. Okay, so this, uh, this decanter. Amazing. Thank you. I'm seeing interactions now. <laughs> it, it's not an Ikea one. It was a gift. That's why it's not an Ikea one. Did you one. get it from Costco? No, I, it was a Riedel. <laughs> Thanks, Megs. Megan gave me a Costco shirt. Mind you. Drink. There it is. See? See? It's all about keeping the timing of the word Costco at the right time. Oh, God. So, I want to know about the wine before I drink more. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so, so Mark, uh, we have switched over to our, our last wine of the evening, uh, the Amarone. Amarone. Now, see, uh, if, once you have uh, three of these wines, you start to talk in, in Italian. Is that what happens? Is that, <laughs> that's yes. I can't yeah. wait. I'm excited. It's the prettiest bottle, by the way, for sure. The bottles are all great, yeah. but that one's the prettiest. Now, is it easy yeah, to tell Italian wine by the shape of the by the shape of the bottle? Uh, no, um, because these are uh, these are the shapes of Bordeaux and uh, and Burgundy bottles, so they're borrowing from those shapes. So, uh, yeah, typically, um, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, there was sort of the tradition of doing the, uh, the fiasco, which was the flask that you remember from Chianti uh, yeah. having the straw around it. Uh, that was called the fiasco. And um, there were some interesting bottles. I, you know, if you've been to Italy before and you've probably seen some of those tchotchke shops or some of the uh, novelty shops, uh, they have some pretty interesting uh, glass blowing in, uh, bottles there, too, as well. Uh, Italians are very well known for their interesting bottle shapes. Uh, you'll see them in the shape of ships or fish sometimes. Uh, but that's more on the um, sort of esoteric end of things. Uh, but generally speaking, no, these are standard, like uh, the first one, the Brunello de Montalcino here. This is a Bordeaux style bottle. Yeah. And then number two and number three are both uh, Burgundy style bottles too. Okay. Just checking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is pungent so just on the nose, man. I know, this I is love this concentrated, smell. it's pungent. Let's this talk is about like it. A, I feel like I could write a scroll with this. Just dip my feather in here and, and use it to write. Amarone. Uh, the derivative of the word amaro, which is bitter in Italian, and as you can taste, it's pretty darn bitter, made from dried grapes. Uh, there's a process called appassimento in Italy, which is taking the grapes and drawing them out on straw mats. Uh, they used to be straw mats. These days, they put them in climate-controlled environments, so they actually do it uh, in a very modern and scientific way. But back in the day, they used to put them on straw mats in these barns with uh, louvered doors on the side of them, and they would open and close the doors to let the air in and out, and they would control this and dry them out like raisins, and it would take anywhere from two to three months to do. So that's what we have here. It concentrates the flavor. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, this... Uh, this used to be made in the foothills of the Swedish, uh, the Swiss Alps. I'm sorry, not Swedish, uh, the Swiss Alps. So uh, above the fog line to avoid them growing mold or rotting. Uh, so up in the mountains, this is kind of like a mountain wine almost. And it's known for being very bitter because of that really concentrated, dark, dry fruit flavor. And for that reason, it takes a really long time. Uh, these can age probably for anywhere from 20 to 30 years. So this one is relatively young, but pretty good for its age yeah this is it's, yeah. what do you smell when you smell it hmm i smell a little bit of licorice first mm -hmm. of all sort of like anise or fennel yeah right? dude that's like the, that's like the first thing that i'm sorry i'm, I'm excited <laughs> about it because i'm always wrong about this stuff so yes that was the first thing i smelled or the other thing it. i smell is uh very very typical for amarone is sort of like cocoa powder it was a little bit like chocolate or like dry, uh, dark chocolate, like bitter chocolate. Mm -hmm. And raisins, of course. And that makes total sense when you think about it because it's made from dried grapes. Are you smelling that at all? It yeah. smells like raisins or maybe like, you smell that? It's like dried raisins or dried figs almost. 
I smell now when I initially smelled this is gonna make me sound so dumb. Are you ready? No, did you it no smelled like answer. like a nice ham sandwich. I don't know why I just smelled that one. <laughs> is well, that like well, the dumbest thing I've ever let's, said? Hold on, let's let's unpack this. Are we talking are we talking it smell like, like it now, but initially well, no, like, like holiday ham with pineapple? Yes, are we talking prosciutto? With the perfect prosciutto. That's, that's a, very different than holiday okay, ham with sorry. pineapple. So like wh- which one are we talking about, Megs? Um like a a very fancy grilled cheese. With prosciutto. With prosciutto. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay. And yeah. really fancy cheese. There's nothing wrong with, there's no wrong answer. It's like a, people always oh, no, ask that's me, all good. Man. There's got to be a wine? wrong answer. No. Someone's like, um, a Mc, McMuffin. <laughs> like that can't. Hey, guess can what, it, man? Can you smell that from a wine? <laughs> I wish I yeah. could still eat an Egg McMuffin <laughs> and feel alive the next day, but I can't. So, you know what? I, I commend you, Megan, for smelling time. an Egg McMuffin in this wine. Um. So, that is, uh, that's very astute, actually. Uh, it's a very meaty wine. So uh, that's the way we describe it in the wine world. So it's got a little bit of like a meaty character to it. So you're not off. You got it. Yeah, this this wine is like, it feels like it has texture, viscosity. It is like, mm-hmm. it, like you know, you mentioned the cocoa powder. It feels like I maybe, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I grabbed the can of Nesquik and I threw the spoon in my mouth and it's just like coating. And, I, yep. you know, it's 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 giving me that kind of a, of a textural quality. Well, uh, Mindy's group said that they have some chocolate almonds, oh. which is great with it. They're saying. Mindy's group. Are we having uh, dark chocolate almonds? What what kind of chocolate is on these almonds? Yeah, so please know. let us know in the chat. I love chocolate covered almonds. Yeah. Those, dark chocolate covered almonds are my You know, some people are into crack. I am into chocolate covered <laughs> almonds. Like you, you, you give me that Trader Joe's tub of the chocolate covered almonds and put me in front of the TV for, I don't know. <laughs> For three episodes of anything, and chances are there will just be an empty plastic tub uh, that I will be pretending that I'm going to give to Megan later. Great I don't story. Know. Yeah, Thank whatever. Thank you for that. Don't I be mean... a hater. <laughs> She's passing wine. Look Dark chocolate, they said, yes. Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Oh, okay, cool. Perfect. I made him smell it. Now, Mark, about, about Amarone, I remember the first time somebody told me uh, about that drying process. And mm-hmm. and I just say to myself, compared to the rest of Italy, for you know, I can't I can't speak to the rest of Italy. But let's say the rest of Italy that I'm familiar with wine wise, like I don't want to say how batshit crazy do you have to be to say, hey, I have to go through this whole process of making raisins to then extract juice from it. But what is there is there a wine from that region where they don't dry the grapes and they just make the fresher juice? Uh, you know what? What led to Amarone? If you know, I'm I'm just curious because I, I love this this particular style of wine, and I know you get what you pay for. There's a reason why it costs because it it takes more to make it. Yes. Uh, so interestingly enough, uh, Amarone has not been around for a very long time. Uh, it was a, like most things in the wine world, beer as well too. It was a happy accident. So it was just a mistake that somebody made one time, and they realized, hey, this wine is pretty good. Uh, so in Amarone, in this region, uh, it's up in the, the Veneto and it's near Verona. So up in the northern, northeastern part of Italy, uh, it gets uh, hot during the days, but also very cold at night, too. So you have this like push and pull with the climate and it gets very foggy and the grapes tend to dry out oftentimes. And you get, start to get like this mold on the grapes, too. So what happened was somebody probably forgot to pick their grapes or they just left them in the field for a couple of months and they realized, crap we let this go to waste. So uh, I don't know, let's just see what we can do with it. So they started to make a wine from it and realized that it was uh, actually pretty darn good and actually strong in flavor and produces really high alcohol. By the way, this is 16%. This is a lot. anybody. Gosh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is... this one's going to knock you on your butt. Yeah, well, um, it's like the primitivos too. If when you when you get into southern uh, southeastern Italy, a lot of those primitivos that I had are negramaros. They were really high alcohol. Yeah, yeah. This one will knock you on your butt, but hey, it's Friday night, so who cares? Yeah. Um, they normally in this region they used to make well, they still make a sweet wine. They call it ricciotto, and ricciotto is the sweet version of it. Uh, so the amaroni was what they called a ricciotto scappata. Ricciotto scappata means it escaped ricciotto. So it escaped and it was no longer sweet, but it fermented the dryness. Um, so it was intended to be a sweet wine, but every once in a while they would get a mistake every few vintages and it would turn into a dry wine. And they said, why don't we start making this dry wine? Uh, and that's only been produced since the 50s. So actually uh, Amarone is relatively young as far as the wine is concerned. Most of that region, like you were saying, produces uh, just a regular wine from grapes. 
no, they're not dried. Just uh, you know, they press a regular wine, and that is simply known as Valpolicella. Um, someone asked, "What what is the grape?" There are three grapes that they typically use in this region: uh, Corvina, Rondinella, and Corvinone. So those are the three, and that's what this was made of. Mark, I was going to ask you. So we, you know, like you heard, we were uh, up in Northern California last weekend, and mm-hmm. back in 2020, uh, unfortunately, that region had those really severe fires, and. Yeah. You know, there, there now is when you starting to see these releases of these 2020 wines. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a conversation with somebody who'll na- be, be unmentioned, uh, was, was telling us that they tried, you know, they've had some 2020s and they've been okay. And then they've had some 2020s that tasted like they were drinking mezcal. And, you know, for yeah. those of you who are not familiar, mezcal is pretty darn smoky. Uh, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's a smoky, smoky spirit from Mexico. Uh, but they also felt that they're, that, you know, why are they still releasing these wines that are, are, that are that level of smoke? Have you had anything 2020? You don't have to say the winery, but have you had anything 2020 that, that has been impacted by smoke? I'm yet to try one. So, I mean, I'm curious. I want to try one. There's no way in hell I'm going to pay what it costs for one of these Napa wines and have it taste like mezcal as much as I love mezcal. Um, have you had any experience with that? Yeah, we were just in uh, Portland, Oregon last week, and uh, we went down to the Willamette Valley and did a tour of a couple of the wineries. Um, can I say? Yeah, I mean, I'm, they, they're okay with admitting it. Uh, it was Lang Winery. Lang Winery is in like the mid valley in uh, the Willamette in Oregon. And they were directly affected by the wildfires. And, uh, we tasted a Pinot Noir and they said, you can taste the smoke on this. Uh, it wasn't that bad, though. So I don't think it's as bad as some of the things that you're describing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in some, in some cases, uh, when the smoke is that bad, the winery will typically sell the grapes to a distillery to make brandy from. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't I don't see the folks in Napa doing that, you know, especially with what it costs per tonnage at like Tacalo Vineyards yes. or one of those, you know, yeah. one of those things where they're they're charging three hundred dollars a bottle uh uh from that particular you know from that particular re- wine region. Do you do you yeah. were you a customer of WTSO before you started working with them? No, I wasn't. Oh right. Nope. How did that uh, start? I have a YouTube channel, so I've been doing this for uh, you know I as I may have described to you, maybe I didn't, but I came from the corporate world. And when I worked in the corporate world, I was in digital multimedia. So I was a web guy. I was a camera guy. I was uh, in photography, photoshopping, advertising, uh, package design, pretty much anything you can do with a computer. Uh, So that was my background. And um, I started a YouTube channel early on. So maybe eight years ago, before it was really kind of a thing, uh, we were taking videos of all the places that we were going on vacation. And they were all wine locations, all wine regions in the world. So I started shooting. Yeah, I was starting to shoot videos. And I figured, like, there's something here. Uh, So I put one video up on YouTube and it started to do well. And then I submitted a video to uh, Wine Spectator Video Competition and it came in second place. And that was sort of like the catalyst that said, like, there's something here. You could do this. So um, I started the YouTube channel and it started to grow and grow and at this point now, it's it's a modest page. It's uh, I've got about seventeen thousand followers, and I think I have about one and a half million views at this point, which is good for a small That's YouTube great. page. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it's modest, like I said, as far as YouTube is concerned. But to build it up from nothing and to talk about a a, a topic that's as heavy as something as wine, uh, that's pretty good. So uh, wine still sold out. Found me right around the time the pandemic hit. Normally, what I was doing was going to people's homes and I was doing wine tastings at their homes, bringing food and bringing the wine to them. We were doing these intimate gatherings in person. And when the pandemic hit, the rug just got ripped out from underneath me. So I was set to lose probably about 50, 60 percent of my business when the pandemic hit in 2020. And Wine Still Sold Out contacted me out of the blue and they said, we saw your YouTube channel. We love what you do. Do you want to make some videos for us? And that's how the relationship began. Oh, you got to love it. And so speaking of a uh, relationship, I, I want to ask the folks who are, are watching if they'll if they'll share in the chat uh, their favorite WTSO deal, uh, because I have mine and I'm going to share it. So if you guys can think about that, if there's a wine that you folks bought that you just couldn't, you know, couldn't believe the quote unquote bang for your buck you got, what, what turned me on to it 
Mark was, I remember a buddy of mine, you know, told, mentioned it to me and whatever. I started following and I'm like, yeah, I don't pay attention. I, there's only so many emails a day I could take from people. So after like email number two, I just ignore you. And for some reason, this one day I, I looked and I saw the, the wine. Well, not the exact wine that I had, but I saw the wine that changed my life pop up on WTSO. So it's the only time I've ever seen this wine there. And it's could have, maybe it's been there more than once. I've only seen it this one time. And it was a uh, Bodega Valduero from Rivera del Duero Grand Reserve. And it was, I remember, 2001 because I had my last bottle of it recently. And Oh, and I still remember because I, I yeah. love this wine. This is the wine I had in Barcelona the first time <laughs> I was in Europe. And it, it's, it takes me back to that grilled meal. And that's what a wine is, right? It, it's, it's, a, it's a memory in a bottle. And I got yep. this bottle for 50 bucks a bottle. It was like $175 a bottle of wine. And I, wow. I said, There's, this is bullshit. I said, this is fake. <laughs> this is like, there's no way. And of course, I got it, opened it. It was perfect. And I, you know, I held on to the next two. Uh, and as I got special jobs in my life or little moments in my life, I would open up a bottle of that. And I recently had a TV show experience that I did a few months ago. And that's when I opened up my last bottle of, of the Gran Reserva. Uh, okay, so some folks have written in. Uh, Mindy says, Grand... Dame or Grand Dame? Grand Dame. Grand Dame. I'm not familiar with that one. What, what, do you know what that is, Mark? Uh, yeah, Grand Dame is a champagne. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it's a uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Grand Dame is a uh, Clicquot, I believe. Oh, right on. Isn't that funny? So it, it's great to have these like little moments of discovery. What was your favorite wine today? And I want to ask the folks at home too, uh, what was their favorite wine that they've had in the in the tasting today? What was your favorite, Megs? Uh, the prosciutto ham cheese sandwich wine. The Amarone. Okay. And uh, do, do you have, uh, I know it's hard to pick, you know, between your kids, but don't lie. Every, every parent has a favorite child, Mark. So what what was your favorite child? My parents' today? favorite child's right here on the other side of me. I I, I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what about you, Mark? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the uh, Brunello. I think the Brunello is uh, drinking beautifully for a seven year old wine or a six year old wine at this point, and I don't know, just something resonates with me about it. Oh, we got so folks are uh, okay. So Amarone and then a husband likes the Barolo. Okay, you know I, I love that we have a house divided, but still it seems like everybody's civil. I like that. <laughs> we just want to bring you together. <laughs> we want to bring you together. We didn't want to divide you. <laughs> and that, well, that's what that's what wine does. Is is there a wine you can think of? You know, like uh, is there a gateway wine from Italy for the folks who like that that American style wine, that very fruit forward. Um, California style wine. Let's say, is there a gateway wine to introduce you into Italian wine? You know, if you yeah, have that I mean, friend, you probably... have a dinner party that you're like, oh man, you know, Joe's coming over, and Joe, we're having Italian wine tonight. But Joe, I want to, I want to surprise Joe, and I want to bust out an Italian wine that may lean more towards that that style. Maybe not style, but flavor. Profile. Let him answer, Eddie. Gosh. <laughs> oh, it's all good. No, Megan's um, brother's here. She's trying extra hard. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there are two that I would recommend. I would say uh, you would do an IGT uh, Toscano, like Super Tuscan, something that has a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon in it. And uh, you can get them for, especially through uh, WTSO. WTSO has quite a few Super Tuscans mm -hmm. that I think run around like maybe like 25 to 30 ish a bottle. So that's pretty respectable for a wine that's uh, got some age. I actually served one at one of my tastings a few months ago, and I think it was a 2012. So it's got 10 years on it, and it's got Cabernet Sauvignon and Sangiovese and Merlot in it. So, yeah, Super Tuscan would be my first recommendation. And uh, the second one that I would recommend is one of your favorites, Primitivo. So Primitivo is Zinfandel, for those of you who don't know. So the Primitivo from Puglia in the southern part of Italy is actually the ancestor or the grandparent to modern day Zinfandel that we have in California. So if you want something more California style, something like really strong, and full bodied and fruit forward, uh, then you want a Primitivo from Italy. So, you know, top to bottom or kind of middle of the country to the bottom of the country, you have your Super Tuscan and you have your Primitivo. See, 
I see that I love I love this kind of stuff because because Italian wine was so scary for me uh, when I first wanted to kind of explore it and get into it and 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 it, it it can be intimidating when a you don't speak the language don't understand that the bottle describes the region uh don't have mm-hmm. you know here we're we're so we're kind of straightforward in in the sense we're like here's a bottle of Cabernet it happens to be from Washington it happens to be from California it happens to be from mm-hmm. Texas whatever it's Cabernet over there you're like oh man let me stare at this wine list and pray that I can pin the tail on the donkey and get something that, you know, that, that makes sense. Uh, so the, the folks at home, a couple of them are saying that the group really love the Barolo, Barolo and Brunello. And again, Barolo and Brunello yeah. for the win. Yeah. Across the board. I'm least popular. Interesting. What? what? I think the, the Amarone was fantastic. I think it's just, a, it's a big wine yeah. and you need to kind of like go slowly with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because that's why that's why I decant. That's why I actually texted Mark today and I said, "Mark, I'm only going to decant one. What should I decant?" And he was like, "Amarone." And I totally understand. Yes. You know, I, and it was one of those where it's like you feel like you know the answer, but no, I have I have somebody on speed dial that I could ask <laughs> to make sure uh, that we're a hundred percent across the board. So, mm-hmm. uh, folks at home. Mark, this is the this we're we're getting to the time where you know we end every episode of Kill the Bottle podcast the same way. Uh, we only thing we don't get back in life is time, and uh, Megan and I and Mark, and of course the folks here. We want to thank you so much for spending a little bit of time. Oh Someone shoot! They messed up my outro. They texted Costco in the group chat. I love all of you I will so drink to much. That. All of you so much. Hey. Happy Friday. I'll Don't even get started. I can do a six-hour podcast yeah. of my Costco shopping, but that's go. that's for go. another episode. The only thing we don't get back in li- life is time, and we want to thank you so much for spending a little bit of your precious time here with us and with Mark on Kill the Bottle Podcast. Please, Mark, where can folks find you? Uh, first of all, first and foremost, through WTSO.com. Uh, right now, slash forward slash weekly tasting. That's going to change in the future, but that's where you'll find me there. And then um, if you want to find me and my YouTube channel, look for my brand, which is Wine Living. So just go into YouTube and look for Mark Subsix Wine Living. And what are you on Instagram? Uh, D.Wine.Rebel. Yes, you are a rebellious gentleman. And that, I think that's the musician <laughs> quality uh, in you, my friend. Uh, so folks listening, please like, review, uh, subscribe to Kill the Bottle Podcast. We are so honored that we get to have these fun experiences with you and we get to share a little bit of ourselves and our wine time with you. Uh, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and good night.